Hello and welcome to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. This month sees thousands of students heading to university, some returning, some going for the first time, but all in this time of COVID-19. How are universities preparing for this most unusual university year? With me to discuss that is Professor Judith Petz, Vice-Chancellor of the University of Plymouth. Professor Petz, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Gary. I'm very pleased to join you. Before we dive into some of the details of universities and COVID, maybe you can briefly paint a picture of the University of Plymouth in terms of the number of students and the number of staff and so on. Yeah, so the University of Plymouth is a post-92, so in that sense it's, it's a more modern university, but as an institution it was actually founded in 1862 as a school of navigation. And, and so 160 years later, um, we are now a comprehensive university, but certainly thing, all things marine and maritime are still are very much at the heart of what we do and are globally leading in. Um, we have about 19,000 students um, at Plymouth, um, about 2,500 staff, but we also have around 9,500 other students at colleges, particularly in the Southwest, but also internationally, who get a University of Plymouth qualification. So we've been working in partnership, particularly with further education colleges for over 40 years and have quite a record of doing that. Um, 250 million turnover. Uh, we operate not only in Plymouth city centre, but also uh, close to our hospital and our science park uh, on the North campus, as we call it. We also operate in Truro and Exeter, particularly for the delivery of healthcare courses and we're the largest provider of nursing and healthcare in the Southwest. We're three times winners of the Queen's Anniversary Award, and this year we got our second marine-related award in relation to marine microplastics, which was a great joy for us. We have a long history of applied research, long history of industrial and policy development, and very strong civic engagement, which again has a long history. We work very closely with industries in the Southwest, who are predominantly small and medium-sized companies. Actually, 90% of the companies in the Southwest are micro-businesses. And we run a 100 million pound network of business support facilities and have done for a number of years. So I would say that our other contributions are primarily in the creative arts and the creative industries. We run an arts institute as a public institute for the Southwest as well. And we have over a 25 year history of sustainability research teaching and operation as a university. So that's a massive mixture of different things going on in and around the Plymouth area. Now, when the COVID lockdown occurred in March, just before the Easter holidays, uh, the university term, I suspect, what did the University of Plymouth need to do to support existing students for the summer term, including, of course, the exam period? Yeah, and just before I give the detail, I think it's interesting to reflect on the fact that it was just before the Easter holidays. So some students had already left to go home. And of course, if we have another national lockdown that occurs not just before holidays, it could be quite a different situation. And indeed, we've been told to keep students at the university. But coming back to Easter. So we closed campus immediately and within 24 hours of the announcement of lockdown, all uh, the majority of our staff and all of our students had basically um, moved to online working. 
about 200 students remained in their halls of residence, uh, mostly international students who were unable to travel home, and they've remained throughout uh, lockdown. Our nursery continued to work to offer for key workers, uh, children of key workers, and we had to maintain some support services on campus, obviously computer services in particular, but basically the campus closed. And I think what is, what is quite interesting, but also quite humbling now to think about is that students moved immediately to online work. They carried on with their assessments as required. We entered into an exam period and adjusted what they needed to do so they completed exams. We had to put a safety net in place of regulations so that we didn't disadvantage students because of the change of their learning um, that was going on. But it does mean that overall, unlike schools, we've been able to continue to provide learning. So we've just uh, graduated something like 6,600 students from Plymouth itself. We've sent out their certificates uh, for successful completion. And we've progressed all our first and second year um, students. And we're just waiting for the colleges to confirm how many other students have got a University of Plymouth certificate this year from our partnerships with them probably taking us to around seven and a half thousand students altogether. So I think that's quite an achievement and a celebration for, that, for the students themselves, but also for the massive amount of work that's been put in by staff. And that, of course, was something that came with no notice, pretty much, and had to be done immediately. But all universities, including Plymouth, have now had a few months to try and plan for the new academic year. So what decisions have you taken at Plymouth about teaching and students and so on and how have you come to some of those decisions? So I think our very first starting point, the principle if you like, was we wanted to be able to meet the needs and preferences of our students as far as possible uh, to offer for the new academic year and that those needs and preferences are based on students having planned for years that they would like to come to university really geared everything that they're doing and their studies around that, looking forward to coming to university and therefore we want to be able to provide that uh, opportunity as far as absolutely uh, possible. So we set up multiple projects working with our academic staff, our services staff, the estates and computer services staff to look at how we would be able to provide as much as possible face-to-face -face with social distancing etc looking at our building spaces, what we could adapt, but also planning for online delivery where we cannot provide face-to-face -face simply because of the large, a large number of students, for example, needing to do a lecture, which wouldn't be possible. So blended learning has carried on. And obviously the learning from lockdown has helped to an extent for academics understanding the elements of blended learning. So Students will come face to face. Indeed, our students are starting to arrive on campus already. We started some courses last week. A significant amount of work has gone on to understand what is a COVID secure campus. The capacities of our buildings, we adjusted our teaching timetables and, uh, and certainly for all our academic staff considering how to adjust. Even things like overseas field courses, which would be common, but we may not be able to travel overseas. So what do we do instead? how to adjust and ensure placements into business and organisations that students might be expecting in their course can still continue as much as possible. And we've also got students who will be travelling overseas for a year abroad as part of their studies as normal. But all of that has required planning and thinking about. 
and thinking about the worst case where something has to stop, of course, as well. I mean, that sounds like a massive effort uh, across the whole university community. And into that was thrown the uh, situation with this year's A-levels, which probably won't have helped. But maybe you can say a little bit about how the A-level exam situation affected your preparations for this year. Yes, I think it's true to say that for all universities, it's caused a, a significant amount of additional work. We're still receiving applications from students to study, which would never have happened in previous years. You know, your clearing, your clearing time would have closed several weeks ago, but we're still receiving applications. We've received more applications during the clearing process than in either of the previous two years. There are more students who are going to need to attend university, uh, despite the fact we're still in a demographic dip nationally, and certainly in the Southwest. The removal, the last minute removal of student number controls on universities, literally a couple of days after we started clearing, to provide for the increase in students, and in particular, the removal of all controls over medicine and dental numbers, which are normally closely controlled, all of that means that we've been handling a much larger volume and in the case of medicine and dentistry and health in, in particular, I'm delighted to say we've been able to take probably around 150 additional students than before. So all of that is good news and excellent news for the students who are able to come to university, but it also means we've had to replan some of our spaces that we planned before. And the government has um, allocated an additional 10 million for universities for emergency uh, spend on facilities, infrastructure that will be required as additional for additional numbers of students coming. So yes, into, into the middle of the, uh, of the preparations came a sort of curved ball, if you like. Um, but I think uh, we've, we've managed to respond pretty well. We've got fewer students who of course have opted to take a year out We've got very few students who've opted to defer. Uh, we've got fewer students on our foundation courses because they've been able to get onto a full degree course because they've acquired the, the, the exams, that they, the grades they wanted. So the story overall is, is, is probably of a, of a large year, which again, we need to handle in relation to a COVID secure campus. So do you have any concerns that you won't be able to deliver the quality of education for that large year in these difficult circumstances? No, I think the, <clears throat> the concern is around particularly in something like medicine and, and, and dental, obviously there was concern about placements, but they're not required immediately. So the additional numbers don't require their placements um, in the first year, obviously. Um, but we do have to ensure clinical space and clinical teaching space is available, etc. So that's where we've been adjusting some of our, our facilities. And because we also operate in Truro and Exeter, we have other sites where we can make those adjustments as well. So it has required a lot of thinking through, but I'm fairly confident and we've prioritized thinking about laboratory type teaching, hands-on clinical practice type teaching so that we can optimize the number of students. Okay, so that's the teaching and learning that students do. What are the implications of all of this uh, lockdown of, and, and the student environment for non-curriculum activities at the university. So I'm thinking of sports and music and drama and clubs and societies and so on. 
Yes, I think going back to my first point about our starting point was to provide as much of a student experience as possible. And that student experience is always far more than just the, the teaching experience. Sure. Um, and so we've been working quite closely with our students union to look at facilities and how to optimize what I would call a fun and social experience as far as possible, but in a controlled manner and not least given the changes to the definition of social gatherings in the last week. Universities are of course exempt from those, those requirements because we are expected to be able to operate a controlled environment. So we have, we've got an outdoor stage all of a sudden, we've got an outdoor cinema, we've got an outdoor performance space, we've added a new bubble space in the, in the campus for socially distanced events. We've got people left, right and centre devising virtual and online quizzes and competitions for students to keep engaged as they have been through lockdown. We've got live stream bands and DJ events with, I understand, via our students' union that many of the bands they had booked for a, a traditional freshers have, uh, have stayed with us and will go live stream instead. So very much looking at all of the opportunities. Probably uh, our university gym uh, has, is, has reopened and the clubs and societies are all gearing up as much as possible. Clearly for some types of sport, there may be limits as there are nationally to what can be done immediately in terms of traditional matches, etc. But the overall is to try and accept that principle that the social experience is as important as the teaching experience. Nonetheless, clearly some students will find this perhaps a more stressful environment than they might otherwise have done. How do you think some of this will pan out for student well-being and student mental health? And how is the university preparing for that? Yes, and I think we must also say staff as well, won't be because um, the well-being of, of staff and students is, is always uppermost. All the way through lockdown, we have provided ongoing student support services around all normal questions about health, disabilities, mental health, um, writing and academic support, financial support. All of that has continued during lockdown via email, video conference and over the phone. And from now we can also offer face-to-face -face, um, experience as well through our student hub, which is a centralised hub which provides uh, all of this uh, student support. So our experience of operating all the way through lockdown um, with online support and delivery or um, virtual support and delivery, I think provides a degree of reassurance of what we can do when the students return as well. But there is no doubt that whilst the students will be excited to come back to university, as normal, some will be anxious and some will be even more anxious. Some have um, their experience during um, lockdown of where they've lived, will affect how they feel about coming back. And I should say that around 30% of our students are commuter students. So they lived at home all the way through lockdown, often with their own families um, and, and young children. Um, and, and, and they will return as commuter students as well. So we have to be able to recognize that they need something different in terms of support, perhaps a, an 18 year old who's coming to university for the first time. Is there a, a danger with more things done online that it's harder to pick up where students are suffering from stress? It's easy to miss some of the signs. 
Yes, I think that's really interesting. Our student um, hubs uh, reported that in the early weeks of lockdown, they had far fewer uh, requests for advice or help um, than the same time in the previous year. Now, we, we, we will be able to hopefully do some analysis of what was behind that. Was it because students, many students were at home with their families and therefore were in a more um, you know, relaxed and helpful environment or the worst case scenario, was it that actually they were suffering but didn't feel they could discuss that at home and didn't come to the university either. So I think keeping a very careful eye on how students respond to us, how they engage with us is really important and doing live monitoring, if you like, of what's going on in terms of student support will be crucial, probably to a far greater extent than perhaps we normally do, because we need to be able to watch out for students. And we need to also ask students to watch out for each other as well, to, to see if there's colleagues or friends that they're worried about and can talk in confidence to, to see if there's anything we can do. So I think we do, all institutions will need to keep a careful eye and of course, it will fluctuate depending upon if there's a local lockdown, which of course is incurring in some cities where universities are going back or, or, or what happens in those sort of circumstances. At the end of the day, all our students are adults. They're, they're no different in many respects to adults out in, out in our community, but they have the additional tension often of coming to a different place um, and, and a different environment and getting used to that. One thing that's asked in the press, uh, particularly in these times, is whether it's reasonable for students to be charged the same fees for their university education in times of COVID, where perhaps more of the delivery is online than they were before the pandemic. What's your view? Well, of course, this has been a, a conversation throughout lockdown and, and, and the minister and indeed when the House of Commons uh, Select Committee, I think it was, had a look at this. Um, the conclusion was um, as long as students are getting a good service, then they should expect to be paying the same fees. I hope that what I've described in terms of everything they will be doing, it should be clear that delivering a blended learning environment of face-to-face -face and online is certainly no cheaper than, than delivering uh, an all face-to-face -face service. All of our services have run, all of our student support, all of our computer services, our library services, our staff, our academic staff, all of those have worked throughout uh, lockdown and will continue. And so the cost of delivery um, is certainly no lower. Mm. So finally, what messages would you have for students starting university this year, either at Plymouth or indeed at universities around the country? Well, I would say that you've dreamt of coming to university, you've worked hard to achieve be, being able to come, and now is the time. And you should be reassured that universities are ready and COVID secure as far as any of us can be. You're going to receive a great education and have an amazing experience coming to university and not least to one of the internationally leading institutions that we have in the UK is the chance of a lifetime. And so make the most of it. Um, we'll be certainly trying to do everything possible to ensure you can, even though the circumstances uh, may be slightly different. I would say stay safe for yourself. 
stay safe for your student colleagues and your community and our local community and our staff. And of course, at the end of the day, stay safe for your family as well. Wonderful. Professor Judith Petz, thank you very much. Thank you, Gavin. You've been listening to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. This week, I was in discussion with Professor Judith Petz, Vice-Chancellor at the University of Plymouth. All previous episodes of our podcast, all details of our events, our blogs and other information can be found on our website at www.foundation.org.uk. Next week, I'll be in conversation with Dr Mike Short, Chief Scientific Advisor at the Department for International Trade.